As we continue our service this morning, can I have the children come up if they would like to? <clears throat> Move this out of the way slowly. That'll do right there. That'll be good enough. All righty. So, right. You know, they asked me to sing this morning, <laughs> but the powers to be said, no, we actually want people to stay. So we let, we let Sarah do it. Probably for the, yeah, for the very good idea. <laughs> All right. I have a question for you guys. And we'll, we'll, I'll walk slowly to here. As I thought I saw one more coming down. <clears throat> I did see one more coming down. Didn't you? Okay. All right. While we're waiting, how's there? You guys have a good week. How, and did you do anything fun? Did anybody make you rake leaves or anything? No. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna make my son rake leaves, but the guy came and blew all of them. So we're gonna tell him not to do that. All right. So I'm gonna ask you a question. What do these things have to do with God? You know, you got an idea. Okay. You're getting closer, actually. What do you What do you think? What does this have to do? Yeah. Okay. Now you guys are catching on really quick. I thought this was going to take longer. <laughs> I was I was wrong. So, if we look at something in in, in the book of Colossians, verse uh, seventeen, it says this: He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. Right. So we look at that. And, you know. God is before all things. So he's been holding us together, holding all these things together, the whole universe, everything together since you know, forever, right? And ever since then, we've been trying to come up with alternatives, things that will hold stuff together because we don't want to rely on Jesus. So we come up with things like glue. We come up with things like tape. Here, hold your fingers out like this. Watch this. See, I can tape you together. And now, boom, hold you together. But you know what? Jesus still does a better job because he's holding all of us together. You know what Jesus is even better than? This might shock and surprise even you guys, but even more stickier and hold us better than duct tape. Yeah. So we always try to make things better when we can't make them better. So we try to come up again with glues and tapes and all these other adhesives. When Jesus himself said, I hold all things together, I created everything, right? So we can trust and rely on him for anything. Is there anything we can't look to God for? No. Because when Jesus came here for us, 
he went through everything that we could go through any kind of emotions any kind of temptations he saw it all so when he says i hold all things together we know that we can trust him because he already went through all of it right i think that's something that as we go on especially as you guys grow up and you're going to school and all these other things you're going to have a lot of people say oh we should trust in different things but there's only one thing we can really trust in what a real ultimate truth is is jesus the one who was before all things who created all things and just like but even very much so much better than this tape and this glue he holds all these things together right can we trust in him i think we can no matter what and he shows us time and time again that we can trust him that he's trustworthy and he's true when you get into a sticky situation, you get it? Sticky? No? Okay. Not even little kids like my dad jokes. But when we get into sticky situations, right, we know we can trust in Jesus and he's going to guide and, and direct our steps no matter what, right? I hope so. I hope that you think about those things when, when things get hard sometimes. Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you again for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you've created all these things. You've created us. You've created this building, the steps we're, we're setting on. Lord, that you hold all things together. You are the amazing big bottle of glue, Lord, that just sticks everything together. We try to copy. We try to recreate. But, Lord, there is nothing like you. There will never be anything or anyone like you at all. Lord, we look to you and praise you again. And just thank you so much that we can look to you focus on you we can trust you and all of our hope can be in you 100 percent of the time all the time but we love you and praise you we pray in jesus name amen, amen. all right a little bit further a little bit further a little bit further stop okay a little bit further stop a little bit further okay a little bit more a little bit more i'm just messing with you guys all right Let's say let's do YouTube because didn't you do it last week? Let's say I thank you did. So you and you can. All right. What that? Okay. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> All right, got it. Thank you. Well, good morning again. I am glad to see everyone here this morning. And I'm just pleased to be here. Beautiful morning out. And it's a day just to worship God. Not like yesterday wasn't or tomorrow won't be. But we get to gather here this morning. Isn't there just something different when we can all be here together? All in one accord, praising 
worshiping the living God. That's something that I, I look forward to, and I hope that you do every single week. And again, um, if you weren't here or you haven't been talking about, if you weren't at the council meeting, more about worshiping and being together. I look forward to once we get past Christmas, we're going to start some new stuff. One thing being we're going to start a Wednesday night study again. So I hope that you're encouraged by that. I hope that you want to be here for, for that. Because I don't know about you, but I don't, but me, you get to about Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's like you kind of start feeling empty. And it's, you, you need you need to re- get with the get with the saints again, right? You want to be with people and you want to worship and praise. So we're gonna look forward to getting back into that. But without any further ado, we're gonna jump into this today. And in case you haven't been here or haven't watched on on Facebook or social media at all, um, I'm gonna catch up just a little bit. Uh, we've been looking at Romans chapter 15, and we're focusing on the six marks of a great commission people. And we've been taking this from uh, just a few verses as Paul is writing here in uh, verse 14 through 24, again, chapter 15. Uh, the first two marks we looked at two weeks ago was keeping focused on the important things amid all the good things we're doing. The second one was having an awareness that introducing the nations to Jesus is an act of worship. And then last week, we had the next two marks, which is being Christ-centered and boasting in Him only, and never losing sight of the centrality and the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now today, we're going to look at the last two marks, and then we'll bring it into this short little mini-series that we're doing. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn with me. We're going to be in again in Romans chapter 15, looking at verses 14 through 24, and we're going to shrink it down as pretty much just 20 through 24 the sections we're looking at today. But I want you to think about this as you're turning there. The first four marks are describing kind of the essence of a Great Commission people. Kind of the overall broad, like this is what we're going to look at. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to be. And this is the centrality and the nature, again, of what we're going to do. That's how we're supposed to act. That's how we're supposed to be as followers of Christ. And that is what lays the foundation for our missiological efforts. The way we do missions, the way we preach the gospel, the way we take that message out, that lays the foundations for that. And then we're going to build on that because we can't just stay still. We can't just stay in one place. That doesn't work. We know that from anything, from any aspect of life, whether you're in school, at your job, doesn't matter what we're doing. If we stay in one place and don't try to progress, we don't try to learn new things, we don't try to continue and build, what happens? You don't stay in that place, you're actually going backwards. We're going backwards. So we start to build on that and we explore the breadth and the gravity of God's mission. And all that we are to do is in our part, in that mission. So I hope that you're there. I hope that you found it. Romans chapter 15. Again, just going to focus right in on verses 20 through 24. Uh, Follow or read as follow along with me as I read aloud, if you would. Starting in verse 20. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. That is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. 
But now I no longer have any work to do in these regions, and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you. Whenever I travel to Spain, for I hope to see you when I pass through, and to be assisted by you for my journey there. Once I have first enjoyed your company for a while. So continuing on this morning, the fifth mark. If you're a note taker, the fifth mark of a great commission people is being consumed. Thank you. Is being consumed with the gospel, reaching those who have never heard the name of Jesus. Being consumed with the gospel, who have never heard the name of Jesus. So Paul's plea during this whole thing, everything that we've been looking at, has had one main focus. And then we can take it back from one of the very first things that we read when we first started this series is taken from Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 19, when he gives the Great Commission, right? That's the focus. It's saying, hey, this is what we're doing. This is who we're going to reach. And as followers of me, Jesus saying, this is kind of Trevor's words here, but as followers of me, Jesus would say, this is who we're going to reach. You have a job to do. Just as everyone's here right now because someone came before you and told you the gospel and Christ saved you, we now have that same job to do. That's being a reproducing Christian. That should always be a goal of ours. But that was Paul's plea this whole time. And we do need to look at this correctly. I want you to get the big picture. So don't take what I'm going to say next wrong. Because we do have to look at a big picture of things. And not shrink it down so small to where we think we have a grasp on it. Because when you really start to think about the whole thing, the whole gospel, the whole Bible, God in general. If you think you have a grasp on it, you've already messed up. You're wrong. We don't have a grasp on God. Not even close. So I want you to think about the big picture. Because we say things like this. Now, I'll admit it first off. I have said things like this. So that's okay. Because because the pastor messed up, you guys are allowed to do the same. Right? But no, you, you, you may have said things like this. Right? Mission begins with our Jerusalem, right? We said things like that. Because we start in, in, in my house and then to the rest of the world. Or... You know, people are just as lost here in Virginia or Texas or Nebraska or they are in, in Algeria or the Congo or China, right? We, think, we say things like that. We need to focus here. We say things like that all the time. And again, I've said stuff like that before. We start thinking that the local mission field is, is the most important. Now, I want, you, I, I want to say something maybe that changed your mind just a little bit. We need to keep in mind the big picture because we need to rightly understand this. So thinking about the fifth mark that we're talking about here. It's being consumed with the gospel, reaching those who have never heard the name of Jesus. Are we consumed with people who have never heard about who Jesus Christ is and the salvation that he offers? Are we consumed with people who have never heard that? How many people do you know I mean, raise your hand. I, I really want to know. Raise your hand if you know somebody who has never, ever heard of Jesus. Okay, somebody's doing a good job. right? There, there's a presence here. And we need to keep a presence here. 
There has to be a presence here, right? Because if we don't maintain a presence at home, what happens to this? The local church just implodes and it crumbles. We have to have a presence here. We need to keep witnessing in the area, obviously. That, that's a, that's a no-brainer. But it can't end here. It can't end here. When we think about that in that way, we misunderstand the breadth of God's mission. We miss it. We miss how big it is. We miss how important it is to tell people who, again, who have never heard of Jesus. We've, we misunderstand how important it is for them to hear about who Jesus is. And I think we misunderstand it in two ways. First is missiologically, which is basically just a big fancy $50 seminary word for how we do and how we think about missions. Because the reality is, it's not about an issue of lostness. Because no one here raised their hands when you said that they have, you don't know anybody that's never heard of Jesus. But how many people know people who have heard of Jesus who are lost? I mean, that's everybody's hanging going to go up there. Right? It's not an issue of lostness. It's an issue of access. We can go to a lot of places and say, hey, do you know Jesus? They're going to say, who? Then we get to tell them about it. But we can go right outside, maybe down the road, go up to Target, right? And say, do you know Jesus? And they're going to say, yeah, but I don't really care. It's not about lostness, what this point is about. It's about access to the gospel. There are places all over the world who don't have no access to the gospel. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. We had some numbers from the International Mission Board that there are millions and millions, if probably realistically billions of people right at this second who have never heard the gospel. And we all know if they've not heard it, they've not accepted it. And that's bad news for them if something bad happens today. I know I do it, and I'm sure most of you probably have too. Have you ever prayed kind of the prayer we see at a lot of the ends of the Bibles, the end of the book of Revelation? Come, Lord Jesus. You ever prayed that? That's going to be a really good day for some of us. If not, it's going to be a really, really bad day. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. The other way we misuse it is theologically. We think about some of these things, we misalign our thinking missiologically, the way we take them out, and theologically. We, we water it down a little bit so that we don't offend people. But may I say this, the gospel is very offensive because it tells all of us how wrong and how sinful we are. You don't have to purposely set out to make people mad. I, I suggest you don't. I'm not going to say I've never done that or wanted to drive home my point and just grind it in. We get, we get a little bit like that sometimes. But it's a little offensive. But we have to learn how to do these things. We learn how to tell the truth in love, right? And we tell the, the world who Jesus is because they need Jesus super bad. Not the Jesus we want, because that's kind of a genie. Not the Jesus we, we try to make up in our mind. Not the God that, that just grants us all of our wishes. But we have the Jesus who's revealed to us in the Bible. Because there's going to be times we disagree with this. 
Again, because it's offensive, because we don't think correctly. We're human, we're sinful. Because if we didn't, then, then Jesus died for nothing. If we think we are perfect, that we don't need any of this, then, then Jesus died for nothing. We need to teach and preach and talk about the God of the Bible who has revealed himself in these 66 books. Not the, not the God who we just make up in our heads. But we teach and preach and take out the God who revealed himself again to us this way. Jesus said this in Acts 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Yeah, we need to maintain that gospel presence here. But he doesn't say, you need to start in Jerusalem, and then once you checked all the boxes, go to Judea, and make sure you get some, some letters from the people confirming that they've heard so we have a record, and then you can go on. He, he, I, did I, I didn't miss that part, did I? I don't think it says that. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But he says we're going to do this here and here and here and here. And that, you know, that one state that nobody likes, we have to do it there too. We got to go there too. Because that's what we do. We follow what Christ says by the examples that he gave us, by the examples that Paul gives us. And look what he says here. Look what he says he did. Verse 19 and 20, here in Romans 16, it says, or Romans 15, it says this, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit, as a result, I have proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. Paul's saying that he's done this. He went from here to there. He kept going. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't worried. And he wanted to do something that was different. He wanted to take it out. Preach it where the name has never been heard before. Because he's looking at and he's seeing the big picture. Because, I mean, just bear with me for a minute. right? Is it easy to talk about Jesus with, look to your left, that person. Look to your right. Okay. Is it easy to talk about Jesus with the, these people? Yeah. You know who it's not easy to talk about it with? The cashier at the grocery store. Or the person you work with that, that sets maybe the cubicle next to you. Not easy to talk about Jesus with that person. Why? Why not? We're going to take that name out because that's the name that's powerful. The name that's above all names. The only name that can save. And why don't we try to put it in our back pocket and hold on to it ourselves? Why? Take it out. Share it. He's seen the big picture. We need to start seeing that big picture too. And we see part of this thing's happened here. It says, verse 23, I no longer have any work to do in these regions. What, is, what does that mean? Are we done? Are we done here? I don't, I don't. We look at this and we see this really important thing that you kind of have these questions you want to ask Paul because he says that. He's, we look back here again in 23. He says, <clears throat> excuse me. But I now no longer have any work to do in these regions, and I, have, and I strongly desire for many years to come see you. He's like, okay, so I'm done. I'm going to go. I'm leaving. Did everybody here hear the gospel? 
Did everybody in this region, are, they, are there no more churches to be planted? Is everything done 100%? I don't know if any of you are gamers, like video games. Did we 100% this game? Did we? Is that what's going on? Because that's, that's, that's crazy. There's no more work to do. But I think if we put all those things, we asked him in the form of a question, and we had Paul, if he walked in the back door right now, we said, Paul, when you wrote this, what were you talking about? There's all the work's done? I think he would answer in the negative. No. Why would you even think that? It's crazy to think that there's nothing else for us to do. But the case is being made clear here, and I think this is the point, that we have to get, again, the big picture and understand what it is that we are supposed to be doing is that the gospel witness exists in these places. It's done. They've heard it. Again, we all know people who've heard the gospel. We all know people who've heard the name of Jesus and who were not saved. Same things happen in here. Same things happen in here. It needs to be made a priority that the gospel's heard to take the good news to where now Christ is not known. And that's Paul's passion, and that should be our passion. Yes, there needs to be a presence here, but again, there's millions and millions of people who have never heard that. And that's looking at the important things amid the good things. Because we can grow spiritually here all day long. We can meet and have all the stuff we want. The best programs you know, the best teachers, the best music. We can have everything. But if that growing doesn't give us a hunger and a thirst to take the name of Jesus out to the nations, I'm pretty sure we're just kind of a whitewashed tomb. If we're not willing and ready and wanting to take Jesus with us when we go to work, when we go to the store, what are we really doing? I venture to say we're probably not doing a lot of good. We should be consumed and we should yearn that the world will hear about who Jesus is because we trust him enough to save our own lives, right? Do, do we not trust him enough to, to go out there with us? That's what we should be looking forward to, to take the name where it's never been heard. The sixth mark as we continue. The sixth mark of a great commission people is that this each person does their part to see that the mission is completed. Each person does their part to see that the mission is completed. Paul is insisting here that every believer is called to be a part of this. And I don't think that any of us can, can negate that. I don't think we can say that's not right. We all have things to do to use our resources, our talents, everything for God's purposes. He's called us to do certain things. Charles Spurgeon said this. It's kind of harsh. It's straight to the point, but I agree with it. It said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And at first it's like, ow, Spurgeon's kind of mean, right? But then you start thinking about it. It's like, you know, he's right. I should have that hunger to take Jesus out. Again, we can't just take Jesus like, cool, this is mine, put it in my pocket, and it's, it's all for me. But now we have to do this, though, because wrongly understood, that can send us down the wrong path. I mean, we can just really start going down 
a, a spiraling guilt trip on ourselves. How come I'm not doing all that I can? Well, you can't. How come I'm not going to China tomorrow? Or I'm not going to Africa tomorrow? How come I'm not going to these faraway lands that we always get in our minds that, you know, we get the picture in our minds when we talk about missions because we have certain places that just pop up? How come I'm not there? If we think about it like that, again, spiral, guilt trip, useless. We got to look at it correctly. We need to think about it rightly. Because rightly understood, it's really liberating. Paul understood that when he was writing this, and we can understand the very same thing today, that not all of us are going to go on these, these crazy mission trips where we're going to give up everything we own and, and, and go live in like a super hostile place. Not all of us are going to do that. We met some people once at a church we were at before where they were in a marketplace ministry in Afghanistan. No, we didn't even know their real names. We didn't know their real names because if it got out, they could be hunted down. We don't... We're not all going to do things like that. We're just not. Now, if God calls you to do that, I hope you stand up and stand out and just go for it and trust him no matter what. But we're not all going to be in those situations. We're not. But don't get me wrong. Some of you might. But all believers are called to do something. And that is to see that the gospel is advanced throughout the earth. That's every one of us. We should do our part to see that that's happening. We should do our part, each one of us, to see that church planners, that evangelists, that missionaries, that all these people are getting what they need to reach unreached people. We have a job to support people. Because again, not all of us are going, but we can, each one of us, support people who are going. We can support people who are in the, the thick and the bushes, right? We can support people that are trying to get a plane ticket so they can get to where they're going. We can support people who are saying, I can't have a job because if they find out I'm a Christian, I'm going to die. Maybe we can help them keep their lights on. Help them get something to eat. We can do lots of different things. Paul's desire was to take the gospel to Spain. And Spain at that time, it's hard to imagine now, they had never heard the name of Jesus. He needed support too. Paul needed help. He needed the resources to get him there. It says this again in verse 24. Whenever I travel to Spain, for I hope to see you when I pass through and to be assisted by you for my journey there. Just like William Carity uh, asked the British Baptist in 1792, he asked him to hold the rope. Hold the rope. Paul is asking them here to Hold the rope. If you don't know who William Carey is or have never heard of him, I suggest you look him up because it's very fascinating, all the things that he went through. But he's asked him to hold the rope. Just like Paul asking him here, there is a need for resources. There's a need to prop people up. There's a need to do certain things to maybe give a little bit more to it hurts. I'm not talking about the plates we passed. Everybody here knows of a missionary or knows of a, uh, a <clears throat> excuse me, of a group, a parachurch group, anything who is doing crazy, amazing things that you cannot necessarily write a check. But what if you don't volunteer, take a couple hours to help? 
What if you stuff envelopes to, to you know, get sent out that are asking people for help? There needs to be somebody to hold the rope. And that somebody is going to be us. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. But are we willing to say, God, I trust you with all that I've been given? Are we willing to step out and say, hey, no matter what, God, I'm going to look to you. You've blessed me like crazy. I have more than one pair of shoes. I have more than one pair of pants. I have more than one shirt. I have running water in my house. I have electricity. Maybe somebody else would like that stuff too. Are we willing to just do anything? Go above and beyond. And the fact that most of us will never go to on those kind of mission trips. We'll never go to the places that Jesus has unknown. Does not mean, again, that there is nothing for us to do. To be a great commission people, we have to do our part. Because I will say this, and it's simply the truth. The pool of people willing to be sent. The pool of people willing to go out and do some of these things that many of us would consider kind of crazy. And the pool of people willing to send them. So the two people, the people who are willing to go out, the people who are ready to do what it takes to send them people is and will probably always be insufficient. Just not enough. There's not enough resources. There's not enough time. There's not enough people willing to do both things or one of one of two things if we want to be a great commission people we must be willing to give our resources our gifts our talent our treasure our time our vocational skills our technical skills and we do that for the advancement of the gospel are we willing to step up and say hey you know what i got like 37 cents to my name and I had to pay my light bill, so my, my bank account's under overdrawn right now. But I'm pretty good with the hammer. I'm pretty good with the saw, so I can do this. You know, I can't do much. You know, my knees are all bum. I've had surgeries. Uh, but I can sit around, and I can write emails for you. I mean, it is that easy. We all can do something. But you know what? And again, I'm the first to admit it. You know what we're really good at, especially me? Making excuses. Making excuses to not do something. You know, I could go help the poor, the, you know, go to the, the food bank, but I, 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 don't, I don't want to. Don't make excuses. Just be honest with yourself. I had to learn how to do that, and I'm still working on that. I'm saying, you know what? I can make an excuse all day long, but you know what the simple truth is? I don't want to. That, that gets into my time. And, and I don't know about you, but Trevor's time is important. You, you can laugh at that because my time is not that important. But isn't that what we do? We, we're good at making excuses so that we don't have to do certain things. But I mean, aren't you glad that the person who told you about Jesus didn't make that excuse and stay home that day? Because I sure am. 
And I'm sure glad for the next guy after I first heard it who took me under his wing and said, hey, let me teach you about Jesus. I'm glad he didn't make excuses either. That's important. You know, this just occurred to me, but maybe one of us in this room is going to be that to somebody else today. Maybe this whole row of people is going to witness to somebody and they're going to come know Jesus today. This whole center section is going to see those people tomorrow and now you're going to teach them about Jesus. You guys don't have to worry about anything until like next week. But, <laughs> but then it's your chance. Maybe there's things for us to do instead of making excuses. And again, I, I like to talk about Paul a lot here. And he says, man, I'm, I'm the king of sinners. I'm the best at excuses. And I know I am. I practiced at it for years. Really good at it. But if we're going to be great commission people and glorify God in what we do, all that's going to have to stop. And we're going to have to look at ourselves a lot less. I'm going to have to say, Trevor, you're not that important. Why don't you sit down? And when God says stand up, just stand up. And if he says sit down, sit back down. And just start listening to the direction that he has for our lives because he knows so much more than we do. And when he calls us to do something, just be ready to do it. When he says jump, don't say how high. Just start jumping. Just start going for it. And we're going to do it all for the glory of God. I mean, end of story, right? So as we wrap up this little bit of a series here, look back at all six real quick. All the six marks in order of being a great commission people. We look at it like this. The first one this go in order but anyway keeping focus on the important things amid the good things having an awareness that introducing the nations to jesus is an act of worship being christ-centered and boasting only in him and never losing sight of the centrality and nature of the gospel than the two we went over today being consumed with the gospel reaching those who have never heard the name of jesus and that each person does their part to see that the mission is completed now, I don't know about you, but that last one gets to me. Each one of us. Each one of us has something to do. Whether you think you know what your gift is that God has given you, or maybe you have like 150 gifts that God has given you, I don't know. But we use them. He has gifted each one of us with something that we can do that's outstanding that he has done just for you and we use that to take his word out into a world that is lost that is dying and as we go out as we go out into our mission fields i want you just to remember one thing i mean it's a big one thing but just remember this that we are worshiping god that when we tell somebody about who jesus is we are worshiping god and we do these things because we love our God, because he loved us first. And we are obedient to him because he shows us that our worship and our honor and glory that we show him is in the right place, that it's tried, it's true. That we can trust him no matter what and through everything. No matter how dark things get, no matter how hard things get, Jesus says, you can trust me because I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. He doesn't say... Um, 
trust me, abide, and then leave. He says, no, trust me, I'm going to be there with you even to the ends of the earth and to the ends of the age. He's right there with you. So we can trust him and obey him in all things and through all things. Because again, as we talked about swearing in the children's time, before anything, it was him. He created everything. You don't think he has control over everything? I think he does. And as followers of Christ, we're going to do these things for, again, that one reason only. For God's glory. So again, as we, as we wrap this up, take that message out. We're here because we have been introduced to Jesus. Let's go introduce somebody else to Jesus. That easy. That easy. Father, again, we just thank you for you. Jesus, we thank you that you would save us, that you would give us life, that you would shed your blood on the cross so that we could have real life, life that we've never known or experienced outside of you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that if we go out, as we go and do our, our normal things, our daily life, Lord, that we wouldn't forget, we wouldn't try to put it away, but we would take you and show the world you. We would trust you, not a watered-down you, not a version that could just make everybody happy you, but Lord, you who is revealed to us, that you showed us who you are in your word that you gave to us. Lord, again, we thank you and praise you for all that you do for who you are. Help us to remember that it's the great commission, that it's the great command for us to go out and tell the world about who you are. It's not you asking us to just do you a favor. Lord, you're having your people do what you would have us do. Lord, again, we thank you for all that you do, who you are. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you would, if the Lord has moved in you in any kind of way, if the Spirit is moving, feel free to come up. I'd love to pray with you. If you want to make any kind of decision, even for membership, please come up. Invitation hymn is number 428, Speak to My Heart. Let's all stand.
as we leave this place, remember that, again, we can take Jesus with us wherever we go. We don't have to keep him here. He doesn't sit in the front pew, but he lives inside you, and we can take him to the nations. Amen? Join me as, as I pray, if you would. Father, again, we just thank you for everything that you do. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every person in here right now an amount of boldness to step out, to not be afraid, to not be nervous, but Lord, to have that spirit of joy that they would want, that I would want as well, to share with the lost and dying world. Lord, you died so that we might live. Help us to take that life and to actually live for you to the fullest each and every day. Again, we thank you for everything that you do, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you so much that you would give us life, real life again, Lord. Forgive us when we're not grateful for that. Forgive us when we're not overjoyed by what you've done for us. But Lord, help us to take that and share it with the world. Again, we love you and praise you. Be with us where we go. And all God's people said, amen. amen.